While we were at Caltech, we visited Santa Barbara, which is a two-hour drive up the coast. There I worked with my, my friend, friend and collaborator, collaborator Jim Hartle, on a new way of calculating how particles will be emitted by a black hole, adding up all the possible paths a particle could take to escape from the hole. We found that the probability that a particle would be emitted by a black hole was related to the probability that a particle would fall into the hole, in the same way that the probabilities for emission and absorption were related for a hot body. This again showed that black holes behave as if they have a temperature and an entropy proportional to their horizon area. Our calculation made use of the concept of imaginary time, which can be regarded as a direction of time at right angles to ordinary real time. When I returned to Cambridge, I developed this idea further with two of my former research students, Gary Gibbons and Malcolm Perry. We replaced ordinary time with imaginary time. This is called the Euclidean approach, because it makes time become a fourth direction of space. It met with a lot of resistance at first, but is now generally accepted as the best way to study quantum gravity. The Euclidean space of black hole time is smooth and contains no singularity at which the equations of physics would break down. It solved the fundamental problem that the singularity theorems of Penrose and I had raised that predictability would break down because of the singularity. Using the Euclidean approach, we were able to understand the deep reasons why black holes behaved like hot bodies and had entropy. Gary and I also showed that a universe that was expanding at an ever-increasing rate would behave as if it had an effective temperature like that of a black hole. At the time, we thought this temperature could never be observed, but its significance became apparent 14 years later. I had been working mainly on black holes, but my interest in cosmology was renewed by the suggestion that the early universe had gone through a period of inflationary expansion. Its size would have grown at an ever-increasing rate, just as prices go up in the shops. In 1982, using Euclidean methods, I showed that such a universe would become slightly non-uniform. Similar results were obtained by the Russian scientist Vyacheslav Mukhanov about the same time, but that only became known later in the West. These non-uniformities can be regarded as arising from thermal fluctuations due to the effective temperature in an inflationary universe that Gary Gibbons and I had discovered eight years earlier. Several other people later made similar predictions. I held a workshop in Cambridge, attended by all the major players in the field, and at this meeting we established most of our present picture of inflation, including the all-important density fluctuations that give rise to galaxy formation, and so to our existence. This was ten years before the Cosmic Background Explorer, COBE, satellite, recorded differences in the microwave background in different directions produced by the density fluctuations. So again, in the study of gravity, theory was ahead of experiment. These fluctuations were later confirmed by the Wilkinson Microwave Anisotropy Probe, WMAP, and the Planck Satellite, and were found to agree exactly with predictions. The original scenario for inflation was that the universe began with a Big Bang singularity. As the universe expanded, 
it was supposed somehow to get into an inflationary state. I thought this was an unsatisfactory explanation, because all equations would break down at a singularity, as previously discussed. But unless one knew what came out of the initial singularity, one could not calculate how the universe would develop. Cosmology would not have any predictive power. What was needed was a space-time without a singularity, like in the Euclidean version of a black hole. After the workshop in Cambridge, I spent the summer at the Institute for Theoretical Physics Santa Barbara, which had just been set up. I talked to Jim Hartle about how to apply the Euclidean approach to cosmology. According to the Euclidean approach, the quantum behavior of the universe is given by a Feynman sum over a certain class of histories in imaginary time. Because imaginary time behaves like another direction in space,